Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. We had the privilege of, of homeschooling all of our children. That was a blessing to us and to our family. Um, whenever our kids reached the, the upper junior high and into high school years, though, I became the math teacher. Algebra. How many of you love algebra? And the rest of you are normal. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like, I like algebra. I do enjoy it. Uh, but each, each, each of our children different, each of them different strengths and weaknesses. My, my oldest daughter, Jessica, interesting thing. She was a little challenged by algebra, but we worked through it. But she seemed like she was really starting to get it. And we, we grade the papers. And look, she's getting the answers right and, uh, uh, for the most part. And then I said, okay, this is the dreaded thing when the teacher tells you, you've got to show your work. You remember that? You got to show how you got from there to there. And so I started looking at this and I'm going, wait a minute, you can't get from there to there. But she had the right answer. And I'd say, and so, so I got really puzzled, right? I'm really puzzled about this. How in the world does this work? And she's saying, well, I don't know. I, you know, I worked, I did it, and I got the right answers. And so there was this whole thing. And I'd, I'd, again, time again, I'd say, you can't do it this way. And she says, I know, but I did, and I got the right answer. It's like, she went off to college, and, and they fixed whatever I had messed up. And she not only got the right answer, but she'd do it right. Um, but there was this idea of, of a, a missing connection, right? There's, there's this line of things, and then there was the answer, and, and how we got, it was disconnected. It didn't make sense to me. I, maybe she invented a new way of doing algebra, I don't know. But as I looked at it, on the face of it, there, was, you know, there wasn't a connection. And, and in the passage of Scripture we're going to focus in on today, sort, there's a place that's sort of like that. We're reading along and, and getting what it says, and then it says this, and it's like, well, wait a minute. How does this connect with this. And on the face of it, you see, it doesn't seem like it would connect. Uh, but so we really want to uh, dig in and see that today and try to figure that out. Uh, but before we do, let's remind ourselves we are in a sermon series this summer on the book of Acts entitled The Church in Motion, the church going out and doing what God had given to do, what Jesus instructed them to do. Uh, we see what that is supposed to look like when we look at the book of Acts. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we said that it'd be so awesome to be able to experience what the first church did, right? And they had this wonderful um, fellowship and, and a sharing and praying and, and people getting saved, coming to Christ all the time. It'd be awesome to, to experience that. And we said, if we want to experience that, if we want to experience what the first church experienced, then we need to start where the first church started and where they start with unity, unity around Jesus Christ and not letting the other things that we don't necessarily see eye to eye on all the time divide us because we got something big and huge that should draw us together. And then last week, we, we talked about being able to serve God with whatever we already have. Sometimes we don't think, you know, that. Uh, but remember Moses, God says, well, what's in your hand? You serve me with that. 
And so whatever you're able to do, and we've said, even though we might think what we have doesn't count for much, that the issue is not what we can do with what we have, but what God can do. And that's, man, if you can get to that place, you're in a good place. Because you're starting to understand God can work. God will work. And he can use you. You don't have to become something different. Although God's going to grow you and change you. But you, you don't have to go off to school to start serving God. You might do that later because you want to. But you, you can serve God right where you're at. Because he can take what you have and use it in awesome ways. Well, since that passage of Scripture we looked at last week in Acts chapter 3... Uh, where they healed this man. And, and uh, what happened is it, draw a big, it drew a big crowd. Peter preaches the gospel. People get saved. Uh, really awesome. Uh, and then um, they come and they arrest Peter and John. The religious leaders have them arrested. And they, they call them in. And it's interesting, it's kind of like a footnote there in the text. And it says, so they arrested Peter and John and tried to stop this. But more people came to Christ. In fact, it says the number of men at this point in the church was about 5,000. The number of men, they stopped trying to count everybody and started counting households. So you're probably talking about 10 to 15,000 people in this church, maybe more. Okay, I mean, it's booming, right? Even though they're trying to clamp down on it. And of course, then they, they tell Peter and John, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. You gotta knock it off. And, and they basically said, well, you know, you're gonna have to take that up with God. <laughs> Because God has done this and we have to talk about it. And they says they let him go in warning. And then the church had this big prayer meeting. They were all excited about what God was doing. And, and it says at the end of this prayer meeting that, that the whole place was shaken. God somehow gave them a, a, a physical manifestation of the fact that he was there. And he was shaking things. Oh, man, we need to pray more, don't we? That's not what this sermon's about, but... A couple years ago, we, we sort of set up a standard and said, when the church meets, the church what? Prays. When the church meets, the church prays. And, um, and it's still easy, it's easy to kind of get just in a habit how that goes instead of, wait, no, wait, we're meeting, we need to pray. Uh, the household of God, he said, is to be called a, a household of prayer, isn't it? Well, anyway, so the... I had this awesome prayer meeting and, and people were still being changed and, and we had uh, read about how they were sharing with each other. Now we have more details at the end of chapter four that people were actually selling their houses. If they had an extra house or didn't need a house anymore for some reason or land, property, possessions, they were selling that and they were bringing all of that money from that and bringing it to the apostles, the 12 apostles, and then they were dividing that up to people as needed. They were overseeing that process. And... Uh, then two people, a couple, choose Ananias and Sapphira. They choose to lie to God in front of everybody else. And God takes their lives. He kind of makes it clear that it's a pretty big deal, your relationship with God. Don't mess around with it, right? And so he took them home to be with him. They went early. <laughs> um, and so that happened, and then we see them continue to preach, and the, all 12 of them get arrested now. All 12 of them get thrown into jail. And in the middle of that night, an angel shows up, wakes them up, opens up the gates, sends them out, 
closes the gates behind them, and they, they're, they're free. And the next morning, they're out there preaching the same place they've been preaching the next day. And, and the religious leaders, what's going on? They can't figure this out. And finally, they call them all together and say, you've got to stop doing this. And after a big religious powwow that they had, uh, it says they beat them, telling them you can't preach anymore. And it says, it's so interesting, they said, and they left after having been beaten, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. That's a different way of looking at life, isn't it? So we have life, we, a way we need to look at life. Um, and so that brings us up to where we are today. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, now in those days, so as all of this has been happening, and, and um, they, like I said, they've been beaten, they're preaching, There's, every day the Christians are still meeting, they're meeting in the temple, they're meeting in houses. It's, uh, now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So in their day, one of the, the classes of people that was most likely to need help were widows. In the society wasn't quite like it is today uh, for women. And so if, if they, you know, their husband died, they usually didn't have uh, in, in this world a means of supporting themselves. And so they depended on family to support them. And then there was no family. They had to depend on the community to support them. And in this case, it's the church. And so there's two groups of widows here. Where people were there's the Hebrews. And was, these were the Jewish people there in Israel, in Jerusalem, who had come to Christ. And, and they're Hebrew because the, the Hebrew language, they, they would speak the Hebrew language amongst each other. Now the Hellenists, if, if you remember from uh, history at all, Hellenists, Helen has to do with Greek. Okay? Do you remember on the day of Pentecost, who was in Jerusalem? Just Jewish people from Jerusalem? No, people from all over the world, right? Thousands of people there from all over the world. Well, some of them didn't leave. I mean, they came, they learned about their Messiah. But they were Greek-speaking Jews because they grew up in other parts of the world. They didn't grow up in Israel and Jerusalem. They grew up elsewhere. They were Greek-speaking Jews, now Christians, okay, and so some of them had widows, and, and distribution was being made. And what was happening was the, 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 the people in Jerusalem there, the Hebrew, Jewish, Hebrew Christians, you know, knew about their widows. They knew who they were. Took, and they really didn't know much about the Greek-speaking widows. And so now the Greek-speaking widows aren't getting taken care of properly. And this becomes a problem. And so a complaint is brought, really. Uh, you know, this isn't right. Our, there's favoritism here. Our widows aren't getting taken care of, and these widows are. So let's, let's read on here. It says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, we back up. Over in chapter 4, in verse 35, what you would see is that the people were bringing the money that they had raised and we're giving it to the apostles, and the apostles were distributing it. Now, whether they were actually being the one to hand it off or they were trying to organize it, we don't know, okay? But they were very much hands-on involved with that distribution. And what they're saying here now, 
look, this has obviously become bigger than we can do. You know, there's a problem here, and the problem is that we can't really keep up with it. If we were going to keep up with it, we'd have to quit spending the time in prayer and the word. And he said, that's not a desirable thing. That's not a good thing. Okay, verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so they, they come up with this plan, uh, a wise plan, I believe a plan from God, say, well, let's, let's get some other people to oversee that ministry while we focus on our ministry, okay? Uh, and by the way, what you're gonna find, and, and I believe as well, that this is really where the origin of deacons in the church comes from. Okay, they weren't called deacons yet, although the words that are used to describe them come from the same word we get deacon. They, they, but, but what I want you to think today is I don't want you to think deacons. I want you to think Christians stepping up to serve, okay? All right, and so they had to be, have a good reputation. They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They had to have wisdom because even carrying out the, meeting the physical needs of the church, and by the way, this is what, I said don't think deacons, but let me say deacons. This is the role of deacons, is to focus in on caring for the people in the church in practical ways. That is a blessing to the church, and it's also a blessing to the pastors, because then the pastors are free to focus on the ministry of prayer and the word, okay? But so we see them spreading out the ministry here, but they had to be spiritually minded people. Verse five, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. A proselyte means that he was a Gentile who had converted to Judaism. Okay, that was what a proselyte was, and now he has become a Christian. Okay? And it says, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Okay, so the apostles prayed for them, laid hands on them, which is really the idea of we're setting you apart for this ministry. We are entrusting you with this, the power of God and working our lives. We are, in essence, uh, turning over to you for this work. Okay? All right, so the, the needs of the widows are getting met now. They're going to be met. The apostles are going to be able to focus in on what they did. So inside the church... Right? There's ministry happening inside the church here. But I want you to see, this is where the disconnect sort of comes. Because I want you to see this. Verse 7, it says, Then, after the, the needs inside the church were being met, ministry was happening inside the church, then the word of God spread outward. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And I don't know what that means to you, what you think about it, but the Jewish priests, okay, they were invested in Judaism, right? I mean, their whole livelihood depended on Judaism and the worship in the temple. But they came to understand that Jesus was the Messiah and they got saved. For, for us today, this would be very much like if, if we began to experience that we had a number of Roman Catholic or Orthodox priests coming and being born again and following. That would, be, would that be a big deal? Yeah. I think it's God's working, doesn't it? Well, that's what was happening here. But here's the disconnect. 
the, the focus of, of verses 1 through 6 is inside the church and it's ministry in the church amongst the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, I mean, all of a sudden people outside are coming in. I mean, you'd think it would say, okay, and then they had a big outreach, right? Then they went out and preached the gospel. Then they went out. It doesn't say that. God here, you know, the Holy Spirit, given the scripture, tells us about ministry in the church with the result being people outside the church responding. Do you see how that's sort of a disconnect there? For us, obviously not a disconnect for God. Um, So as I think about this, this story here in the passage of scripture, I, I wonder, I mean, knowing myself, uh, knowing uh, a lot of people in ministry, I wonder why the apostles didn't just buckle down and work harder. Why they didn't get more organized in taking care of the widows. Right? I mean, could the apostles have done that? Sat down and strategized and figured out how can we do all of this and, and we're going to, because in who probably, that's, Probably the wrong question to ask, but who probably kind of knew best what needed to happen for this to accomplish the mission of the church? Well, you'd think the apostles would have known best, right? Who had the supernatural power, if need be, to do things? The apostles did. I mean, all this, it, it could make sense for them, okay, we just got to do a better job with it. Not to mention what a blessing it is to bless somebody else. I mean, see, when somebody in our church family ends up in the hospital, right, I usually try to get there at some point. Sometimes more often, sometimes less. But I try to get there. Some of you, I've been there with you. And I come to encourage you, but I always leave blessed. Because it is a blessing to be a blessing. And so the apostles were responsible for caring for widows. Do you think they got a blessing back from that? Yeah. So why didn't they just hang on to it? Well, because they were following the Lord. And they very wisely chose to do something different. And what the apostles did decide to do is they decided to let go of ministry. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you. But I tell you what, if you have a ministry that you care about, and you are put in charge of it, and you are able to serve in that ministry, and you're able to make decisions about that, and try to make it go, and all that, you can love that. And I'm not saying you should love it, you're gonna love more God, but you can love doing that. I mean, any of you ever experienced that? Yeah, right? Well, and all of a sudden it comes, well, you know what, you, you need to really let go of that. I, I don't know if I wanna let go of that. But the apostles chose to, because they look at a bigger picture, they chose to let go of that. And then what we see happening is we see these seven men stepping up to serve. Now, now their lives are going to be changed, aren't they? Because they're obviously godly men, and we don't know what all they're doing. It doesn't really tell us what they were doing before. But now, all of a sudden, this church of thousands of people, they're put in charge of, of, of you know, caring for the widows, ministering to the widows. Their lives have been changed, so they've stepped up to do ministry. And here's the result. The result was not just the shifting of ministry. Because we could say, okay, well, the apostles are doing this and the widows, and now they've just shifted that over here. And that's not what happened. We have a multiplication of ministry. An increase in ministry. And here's why. Because all of a sudden, the apostles 
become better at what they're doing. Why? Because they don't have that distraction anymore, do they? Now they can focus on the ministry of prayer. They can spend more time in prayer. They can spend more time in the Word. They get better and more effective at their ministry. Well, what happens with the seven who step up to do the ministry? Well, they become more effective than the apostles were, right? Because we see that's the problem. The apostles weren't as effective as they need to be. Now they are more effective than the apostles were. So they're focused on that ministry. And so we end up with this, when this sharing of ministry, the letting go of ministry and picking up of ministry, it's not just a shifting. We, we end up with more ministry and we end up with more effective ministry. And so it, it's almost like there's this, this principle. Let's look at verse 7 again. I want to show you that. So let's, let's look at this again. All right, so they've, they've dealt with the issue in the church, and then verse 7, then the word of God spread, and lots of people got saved, and hard case people got saved. Power of God working. And, and what I want to ask, what's the connection there? I, on the face of it, I don't know of any connection directly, except that God said it happened like that. And I think this is the way God works. One of the ways God works. And so here's, here's a concept for you. Very simple. And, it's, it, and as I worked on it, it's not necessarily the, the best way to say it, but I couldn't figure out a better way. Spread out to reach out. In other words, spread out ministry. Spread out ministry within the church. Spread it you know, out. <laughs> and the result is that we reach people outside the church. You see, our thought might be that if you spread out ministry, you dilute ministry. If you don't have your, your, your biggest and best doing this ministry, whatever that means from our human perspective, right? Then you're going to dilute the ministry. But it doesn't. When you spread the ministry out, it concentrates the ministry. It focuses the ministry. It's like this. Think about floodlights. Huge floodlights. You know, like the kind you have in stadiums. Uh, they, have a, they shed a lot of light, don't they? I mean, it's amazing. You go to a stadium or someplace and how bright it is and all those floodlights. But you know, floodlights are limited in what they can do. What can floodlights do? Floodlights. That's what floodlights can do. And, and there's a place for that. And it's valuable. But there's a limitation to do. Now, compare floodlights with lasers. Lasers are very different. Lasers come in all different sizes and different powers. With a laser, you can do microsurgery on somebody. And you can also, with lasers, cut through steel. And you can even do awesome light shows that people will pay money to come see. And so what I want you to see is this idea of spreading out to reaching out. It's like going from uh, floodlights to giving everybody lasers. Instead of having a few floodlights, there's a lot of lasers. And the, it becomes very focused and more effective. And so what we want to see happen in a church like ours is that we begin to move from a small amount of people doing a lot of ministry to a large amount of people doing a little bit of ministry. I mean, not that you can't do more, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's what happened with the apostles. You had a few doing a lot of ministry. Now you have them doing less ministry. But there's more of them. And the result is what? 
Spread out, reach out. Now, so as I think about this connection, how does this work? Because, you know, I mean, we oftentimes think about and struggle with this idea of, well, you know, we're ministering to one another, but we aren't reaching out. And, and we do need to be reaching out. And we're going to keep that before you. But there seems to be this connection between actually people involved in doing ministry and people being reached outside the church. And so as I meditate on this and thinking about this, it's a, an idea came from Ephesians chapter four, but it's the idea of a healthy church. A healthy church, that's where this starts. Um, if you go ahead and go to that next slide, that'd be good. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter four and consider a healthy church and, and what that means. Ephesians chapter four, I think it's page something. 1345. You like how quick I figured that out? It's page something. You guys out there? Is it hot out there? It's hot here. Air conditioners will be on shortly. <laughs> we changed that because the ladies kept complaining about freezing. So now you're getting hot, but the air conditioner will come on shortly. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Paul's talking about the church here, and he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So he gave to the church people to fill these roles. And why did he give it? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. So, in other words, the, he gave these people the church to, to help everybody in the church serve the Lord. Not just them. Uh, it isn't just pastors or deacons or Sunday school teachers that are supposed to serve. It's all of us. Okay? He says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so that individually we become more like Jesus. Okay, what are the three things that we do as a church, individually and as a church together? We surrender to the Lord, we grow to be like the Lord, we tell others about the Lord. And so he says here that when, you know, this ministry that he's given the, the, the preachers, teachers of the word, is to equip people. And so the end result is they become more like Jesus, they grow to be like Jesus, and that all of us together as a church, we grow to be like Jesus together. And he goes on, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. As we, we get really well grounded and solid so we aren't always being pulled away to things that aren't true. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And what we see here, especially there in verse 16, it says, to the effective working by which every part does its share. And what's the result? The church grows to be like the Lord. So there's a progression here. 
the more people who get involved in serving in the church, the healthier the church becomes. We see that there in Acts, right? The church becomes healthier. Same here, when people respond, open their hearts up to God and say, I want to serve. And the more people who do that, the healthier the church becomes. Now, what we just saw here in Ephesians chapter 4 is the healthier the church becomes, the more like Christ the church appears. Right? We become more like Christ. And the more we become like Christ, the more our church becomes like Christ, the more attractive our church becomes. Why? Because it doesn't look so much like you and me anymore. It looks like Jesus in us. And, and, and the more attractive our church becomes, the more people will be drawn and connect with our church. And the more people who come and connect with our church, guess what? The more people who get connected to Christ. And I think that's what we see happening in Acts chapter 6. A healthy church that more and more was beginning to look like Jesus and people get reached. And so if we take this progression and kind of put it together on one thing, what we're saying is the more people who get involved in serving in the church, the more people we will reach outside of the church. That's something that God does. It is a God thing. So my challenge to you today is this. Well, let me back up before I give you the challenge. We can experience this here. We can. But there's two things that will, at least two things that will prevent it. We might be able to come up with a long list, but there's two things here that will definitely prevent this. And the first one is this. The first one is if those of us in ministry me and you, are not willing to let go of some of that and share it with other people, we'll just put a stop to the whole thing. Not a good thing. And then secondly, if you're here today and you aren't involved in ministry in some way, you need to step up to do that. But if, if, if you don't, if, if you, know, you all say, no, we aren't interested, we don't want to do that, we just want to come and be a consumer, then that'll put a stop to it as well. Or at least slow it way down. And the result will be is that our, our commission, our mission to make disciples will be hindered, it might be stopped, might be slowed, it'll, get, it'll be messed up. Uh, people who need to be ministered to won't get ministered to as effectively as they need to. And then we will lose this God thing that we see. Right? The God part of this, that when we get together and serve and become a healthy church, he brings people. We'll lose that. So my challenge to you is this. My challenge to you is that you either make a first-time commitment or maybe you renew a commitment to be serving the Lord in the body of Christ somehow, some way. If you have ministry, be willing to open up and share it. If you aren't involved in ministry, step up and get involved. And boy, if you know, if this is first new for you, say, getting involved in ministry, I don't know, I'm kind of scared. I've never done that before. I don't know if I have what it takes. Well, we talked about that last week, didn't we? 
It's not about what you can do with what you have. It's about what God can do with what you have. Uh, but you're, you're still fearful. Well, let me challenge you. Take, take this step. Just somehow take a step into ministry, getting involved in serving Christ somehow in the body of Christ. And, and it'll grow you. It, it, take a step of faith. Trust God and, and take that step. And God gives us a guarantee in his word. He says that it will absolutely be worth it to you if you do. It'll make a difference if you serve. He says this uh, through Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that what? Your labor is not in vain. I guarantee you that if you with right heart before God step in and begin serving, what you do will not be in vain. It'll make a difference. And, and probably even more awesome, more important, when you step up and begin serving, that will help you grow to be like the Lord. Okay? Grow to be like the Lord. Because did you know, Jesus, talking about himself in Mark chapter 10, he, he says about himself, he says, for even the Son of Man, referring to himself, even, go ahead, go to that next slide if you would. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so when you step up to serve the Lord in this way, it will grow you to be like Him. This is crucial that this connection gets made for us to accomplish what God has given us to do. You know, we talk about Vision 2028 once in a while around here, that by, you know, fall of 2028, that we envision everybody in the greater Worcester area having a genuine opportunity to experience a personal, growing, and overflowing relationship with the Lord. That's a half a million people, 31 communities. Like, that's way too big, isn't it? I mean, from a human perspective, for us, a church, is that way too big? It is. It's a, it, It's big. And so it's right for us to ask, well, how in the world are we going to be able to accomplish that? How are we going to do that? Well, I have lots of ideas, and you probably have lots of ideas, but here's the reality. We don't know. We don't know for sure how God is going to do it. But two things I do know about it. And the first one is this, that it will not happen unless we depend on God at every step on the way. It won't happen. But when we depend on God, then we put ourselves and our churches in the position of, of experiencing God doing his thing. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 6, right? They followed the Lord, did what he was leading them to do, spreading out the ministry, more people are getting involved, more ministry, more effective ministry. They did this, and, and then God did his thing and brought more people to them. Well, see, he can do the same to us. And, and that's the second thing, that if we will be faithful to serve in the body of Christ the way we're supposed to, One of the ways God does his thing is by then bringing people to us. That's one of the ways that he will accomplish Vision 2028 in our church. So what, what are we going to do as a church? What are we going to do? 
Well, the reality is that today, I'm going to answer that question, and you're going to answer that question, based on what we decide to do. And I want to challenge you. Choose today to engage in ministry in the body of Christ, knowing that not only will it make a difference in the body of Christ, but God will do his thing and bring more people in. Kind of exciting, isn't it? It's exciting to think what God could do. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent your son not to be served, but to serve and to meet our needs. And now we serve him by serving others. And I pray that you'd give us a vision for that. That you'd stir our hearts to to serve. And if we're fearful or concerned about that, Lord, just help us to take a step of faith and step out and figure out how to be involved. And um, Lord, I'm amazed at how you work, how we read when we just follow you in one area that you work in other areas. And I pray we'll be faithful to do that. And um, we look forward to it, Lord. I pray each of us today will answer yes to you and whatever it is you're showing us to do. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.